You are listening to the Amen Corner, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. For more information about the Amen Corner, please follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and all your other favorite social media. Welcome to Season 7, Episode 26 of the Amen Corner. He's Stephen Cook. And he's Brad Rothschild. I still now have to hesitate. To, you know, I'm not sure. Should, should I be counting it down? Should right. I not be counting it down? Well, now we have numbers and names, right? I know. Well, we haven't named this one yet. The the disagreement episode? Well, then, I guess. I, I kind of, I don't it's, know. It's I not the full, you, you would disagree <laughs> about the disagreement <laughs> episode? Well, because it's not like a full on, like, right. list of things that we disagree about. Well, that's the thing. So, so one of our listeners and friends has said that he would like to hear, and we talked about this the other day, he would like to hear us disagree. Uh, he'd like to hear about the things we disagree about. And he actually right. said he wanted to hear like the 10 things that we disagree on. Which we can't come up with. And we did work <laughs> on this. And it turns out that we don't actually have 10 things that we disagree with each other on. I mean, <clears> we have there. And even when we do disagree, I feel like it's, it's nuanced. There right. are very few issues where it's like, no, I just totally don't buy what you're selling on this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Very few. I did That's say true. to you earlier that sometimes I feel that you, like, when when I get despondent over the Yankees, which you do as well, you're like, oh, but the Knicks are really good. And I'm like, you don't know how good the Knicks really are. And I, I kind of am like, you're like all in on them too soon sometimes. I, I got to balance. I got to balance, right? So, like, it's great when in the in the spring when the Yankees, Rangers, and Knicks are all playing. Because if someone gets hammered, there's a good chance that the other team did well, right? So, like, the Yankees lost the other night, but so did the Knicks. And that, like, really bummed me out because I couldn't balance. Yeah. Yes. You see, I think that's the, the difference, though, because I don't – I like You can't other, balance, right. No, it's not that I can't balance. I don't like the other sports nearly as much. Right, right, right. So right. even, let's say, if the Knicks won on a night where the Yankees lost, it doesn't balance doesn't it out do it, for me. Right. No, it balances that for you? Like, that'll well, balance out no, I mean, look, look, I grew up – I grew up – I'm the son of Michael Cook, and I lived in a Yankees world. But he also was a huge Knicks fan – Rangers fan. He had Knicks season tickets at one point. Yeah. Um, and, and he was, was one, and as a kid, he was one of, you know, like 20,000 people in the entire New York metropolitan area who liked hockey. So, yeah. so even, and, and of course, the, there was a time, he lived six blocks from Yankee Stadium when the Giants, New York football Giants played in Yankee Stadium. Right, right. So, so I lived in a world too. really where it was, this is, this was the yeah. tears. It was the Yankees. Yeah. Then you had the New York Football Giants, uh-huh. and then you had the Knicks and the Rangers, and which right. he also really loved. Right, so, right. So yes, does it? If the Yankees get whomped on and the Knicks win, it 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 lessens the sting. Yeah, it doesn't even enough. But it doesn't make it go away. No, it lessens no, it. I feel no. a little better about myself in the world. Yeah, if, that's a- like the Rangers win, but the Yankees lose. You know, or. Honestly, I, but I don't need that balance with the Knicks and the Rangers, right? So that no, gives you a sense you of priority. Care. Yeah, you don't care enough. I'm not. So if the I'm Yankees like, ah, are fuck playing. it, I can't believe they both lost. But like, right. oh, fuck, the Yankees lost. Oh, but the Knicks won. All right. I feel a little less bad. 
Right, but if the Yankees aren't playing and the Knicks and Rangers both lose on the same night, you're not like, going to be... that sucks, dude, but I go on be, with my day. Yeah, you're not going to be despondent the next right. day. Right, 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 right. Right, <laughs> yeah. But if they yeah. all lose, then I'm like, oh, the world's coming to an end. Well, the world may be coming to an end anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> it's, it's probably not about the Yankees, the Knicks, and the Rangers. It is a good distraction, though, to have that. <laughs> As the world comes to an end. You know, so one of my friends uh, was... He emails me instead of texting me during yeah. the games. Uh, he's on the West Coast and yeah. he watches like on ESPN Gamecast, so uh-huh, he doesn't uh-huh. really see the actual game. Right. And every time I can't he can't do that, by the way, I cannot do that. I will not uh, watch it on Gamecast. I do it when I don't have a choice. Right. It's too annoying. Besides, well, it's also it just behind. Takes, it, it takes is, forever. It's, it's a little bit behind. I haven't watched it this year, so I wonder if it's quicker because of the pitch clock now. Oh, yeah. But um, he he is like, this team is terrible. And I'm like, dude, it's the first week of well, the I'm season. Well, I'm a little bit like that, too. Like, unless they're winning like 10 nothing every game yes, and they're going to go 162 and 0, I'm I just know. bummed. I know. We all are to an extent, but then he's like, why is Josh Donaldson still playing third base? I'm like, man, I don't have an answer to that question because I don't think he should be playing third base either. But, like, why are you, like, pissed at me about it? Because <laughs> the last time I checked, I am neither the manager nor the general manager of that team. <laughs> and he's like, Isaiah Kiner falafa he's horrible. Like, yes, I agree. They should get <laughs> rid of him. He's like, and your boy Bolpe at shortstop made an error. I'm like, He's 21 years old. I mean, it's going to happen. He's going to have some growing pains. I'm like, give the kid a chance. He's got three stolen bases in the first three games. Like, <laughs> let's give the kid a chance. I like him. I like, I like him. Volpe. Yeah. I do like Volpe. I think he's good. So, anyway, so, yeah, I mean, there is that subtle differences between us on the on the sports things. Yeah. Like, but I, I can I can sol- solve my pain over the Yankees with the Knicks or Rangers win. Yeah, but that doesn't bother that doesn't doesn't, it's, 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 Yeah. Now, obviously, politics, we completely disagree with each other all the time. <laughs> I mean, obviously. Um, <laughs> so we don't have, I mean, that's a big deal, especially in this day and age where everything is political. It seems that, you know, part of the impetus for this show was that we wanted to talk about the, you know, about politics. We didn't realize when we started that it would become mainly about politics because. Could you believe insanity. it's been like eight years since the escalator ride? <laughs> I I feel like if we I feel like this, I feel like we're never going to go back to any semblance. Like things have changed things have changed forever. Like the the country has been put on a completely different trajectory as a result. Yes, but I, I mean, mean I, I think the pathologies that that the Trump mm-hmm. presidency helped to surface existed, but I think it it gave it it the you had to have him as a norm breaker. In order to get this kind of full manifestation of it. Uh, yeah. And look, we've talked about this for seven seasons now. Yeah. Yeah. Until there's no more Fox News, this isn't going to change. Not changing. Right. right. Fox News. So maybe. I mean, yeah, every the, day there's another revelation about Fox News. And anyway, it's, it's all terrible. And it it's all nothing t- seems to matter. And, you know, nothing. this is something where I disagree with you about. Like, Okay. Go you on. previously said, like, they need to turn off Fox News on all the military bases. And I was like, look. You know, it's a matter of free expression, what people want, and so on and so forth. But, and like, I don't disagree with you. Like, I have been in, you know, hotels in the, you know, club level breakfast yeah. in Naples, Florida, and their Fox News is on in this little dining room. And I'm like, I can't believe this shit. 
Um, but now with all of the revelations from the Dominion lawsuit, it is right, so abundantly lying, clear. They're willingly, they're not even they're like, knowingly they're, lying. To they're us. knowingly lying. Yeah. They're yes. knowingly lying. Yes. They actually do not believe it. Like prior <laughs> to this, you'd say, well, maybe, maybe Tucker Carlson actually believes this stuff. Yeah, maybe Sean Hannity's all in it. But now we know that they, that they, they, they absolutely they do not. Yeah. That this that is all a performance. This right. Is it's all, all a performance. performance. So that there, there's no, as a result, there's right. no value to it. And there's no value to it being on. Another. And you know what? Don't, don't put on, leave ESPN on. Why not? I don't know. Don't have a TV. Don't have a TV in the mess. As your parents would say, read a book. Read a book. <laughs> um, read a book. Don't watch TV. Yeah. There's this new thing. Have you seen it? I was I was actually on it months ago, but before they started scoring some decent talent, News Nation, no, which is I'm supposed to be not opinion, um, but they've oh, got really? you know yeah like. Uh, for real, for real, not a yeah. Like, and they and they've scored some big names who are refugees from you know cable news, like uh, Ashley Banfield. Remember Ashley? Uh-huh. Banfield? Oh yeah. Um, Elizabeth Vargas, who was a rising star yeah. at ABC News, but she crashed because she was an alcoholic. Well, now she she's, she's had on that problems, yeah. right? Chris Cuomo's back. Oh really? Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna anchor a, a news program, but it's not gonna be like his old news program on CNN where he was like. You know, it's just going to be straight up news. Allegedly. Did you see? Did you see that Andrew Cuomo is starting a pro-Israel organization in order to rehabilitate his image? It seems so ham-handed. I mean, also the timing could not have been worse. <laughs> been no if worse. You think about it. <laughs> this government. I've taken to call him ministers in the Israeli government the, the Jewish Brotherhood. Yeah, the Jewish Awful. Brotherhood. Needless to say, my 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 friends from. My my Middle Eastern friends not from Israel think this is hilarious and spot what, on. What do they think is oh the brother? They think thing? it's absolutely yeah. spot on. They're like yeah, and they're like they hate the brotherhood too. But Except they think it's that so- there are too many parties. It's not just like one like it's not just like the Muslim Brotherhood, which is a, right, a right, thing. Right. But these are like each party has its own individual personality, and like one is worse and more fascistic than the right. Other. But they but you could switch out language. And it would be sure. very, very similar. But it's what's interesting, though, is that all of these radical uh, right-wing parties are religious. Oh, religious. That's true. Right? right. But I'm talking about, like, you know, guys like Bezalel Smotrich and yeah. these others, you know. Yeah. Anyway. Um, anyway, so what else do we not agree on? Speaking of Jews, no. Yeah. Um, what, Jews, well, no, we, 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 we had a long back and forth over text. Yeah. Um, an article that I read in the tablet, and that's something we do disagree about. I think the tablet, for all of its, you know, for all controversy around it and whatever, I do think that there are some super interesting long form pieces that the tablet publishes that people wouldn't publish anywhere else. Um, I'm a particular fan of a journalist named Armin Rosen, who uh-huh. wrote, he actually, speaking of Israel, he wrote a long profile of Itamar Ben Gavir, who folks, I think, accused him of being sympathetic to Ben Gavir, but I didn't I didn't think he was. And I, I thought it was a kind of fair um portrait of the guy. He was obviously he's a human, so he's complicated. It's like when um Graham Wood for the Atlantic did the profile of Mohammed bin Salman and it was like, oh it's so it's so pro MBS. And of course Graham's now not allowed back in Saudi Arabia as a result of it. But anyway, we disagree over the tablet. I think there's worthwhile things to read 
Well, um, I don't want to talk too much about the tablet because producer Doron works. Right. Uh, he's a, he's a so I don't want to, I, no, no, I don't no, want, no. Hold on. I don't want it to be, uh, I don't want the impression to be out there that I'm against. No, 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 you're not. We know that you're not. But we have, we have differences of opinion about it. I mean, and, let's just say I don't read it. Okay. You don't read it. Anymore. So I, I used to. Right. You used to. So I read yeah. this piece in the tablet about the vanishing Jew. Was it the right. disappearing Jew or the vanishing Jew? Either one. Either one. Either one. Works. Anyway, yeah. and one of the things that struck me, and I guess I'm really attuned to this because Madeline is looking at colleges, uh, yeah. was the statistics that the author cited about the declining rates of Jewish admission to elite colleges and universities. Right. So, yeah. like, you know, Penn went from, like, I don't know, let's say 20% to 13%. I'm making up the numbers. I don't remember. Right, right. But they were, Some, they were fairly significant, significant, significant drops over the course of the last five years. Right, or but so. let's just be clear that I, too, have a daughter who's in the 11th grade. Right, but you've been is, through it before. And, and is currently in the college <laughs> process. So it's not year. as if I'm a disinterested no, no, no. observer. But, but you've been through it before, and That's you're sure. not as crazed a human being as I am. Well, right, you're a little I mean, more even keel. Okay, so All right. already you're like setting the table for why, no, I'm not. why, I'm not. why we do disagree on this. So no, no, it's kind of, but it is kind of true, because, um, yes, okay. So you read this article, but read- that, but that reading of that article has really informed a lot of your opinions about the college process now. Well, I'm not sure that that's the case. I think maybe well, it reinforced. Okay, it reinforced some of the things that I have observed. Also, I, you are you're an academic, so like let's be clear, like you have a different perspective because you have uh, colleagues who are professors in right, right. major so, universities, and they have a front row seat right, to what's so, going and on. I, and I, and more, I hear the stories. Yeah, so I'm a little bit more further removed from, removed from that. So, so, so that, yeah. so knowing what my friends tell me, right. And then layer on this other piece of it about the declining admit, and the, the the article wasn't just about the declining admissions of of Jewish students at elite colleges, universities. Right. It was broadly speaking about Jewish representation, to use the term of art at the moment, in cultural institutions across the country. Okay. Okay. So, and let me just say, my friends who are traditional academics who tell me stories. There's not like there's there's not one who thinks that the kind of DEI office is is value added and positive to the Hold mission on. of the university. Let's and define on the co- Let's campuses. define that so okay. that our listeners who might not know what DEI is. I can't believe people don't know what DEI is. It's not everybody calls it that. Diversity. Yeah. You do the next word. Equity. Equity. And inclusion. DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Which basically means greater representation of minorities. Right, but it, it, in, in ways it has become the it has become a cudgel against speech that people don't like. It has put a, a chill on uh, debate and different ideas within the classroom. These are the, these are the things that my friends tell me. That they right. observe. And that, in fact, I mean, one of them said we've created a monster in which, you know, we are now live in fear of what our students might accuse us right. or our and, universities right. of. And we've, and, we've seen some of it. And, and I think some of the DEI officers around the country um, 
are not really interested in inclusion. They're interested in diversity and equity, but they're not necessarily interested in inclusion. Well, okay. and this is the point. And now I'm pivoting back to yeah, yeah. And, and and the exclusion is to the and to the exclusion of of many qualified white, Jewish students, white white people, white um, presenting. Let's use their language. White presenting <laughs> Jewish students. White was, was one of the points of the article. And okay. so, again, so then I have friends who, the background is friends who tell me stories about DEI on campus. Right. I read this article, and I have a child who's going through okay. the so, process. So let's be clear okay. that I agree that uh, there is sort of a tyranny on the left about you know who can speak and who cannot speak. Right. And what things are allowed to be said and what things right. are not allowed to be said. Right. Uh, so yes, I, I, I don't disagree with you about that. And that does become a problem. And certainly, look, nobody is going to cry for us white presenting, uh, heterosexual <laughs> males, right? Right. Uh, if we're, if we feel like our voices are being stifled, nobody is going to shed a tear. However, our point of view in many cases does prevent us, our, who we are mm -hmm. um, pre prevents us from being able to participate in certain conversations. Right. And so that that's one of the things that the uh, kind of at the basis of this yeah. that rubs me the wrong way, which is that ascriptive characteristics um, have become a determining factor in who can participate in conversations, yeah. who gets admitted, who is representative, those kinds of things. Okay. So if you're, if you, again, using that language, if you present as white. And let's be clear, Ashkenazi Jews present as white. Right. Let's be clear. Let's be clear. Um, you are, uh, you, the, the way in which DEI officers and admissions officers seem to frame their, their jobs, what those ascriptive characteristics are legitimate ways to disqualify people, which is, which runs completely counter to what kind of good liberals, right. Like, myself, like yourself, like classical kind of liberals <laughs> yeah. view, view the world, which is okay. that ascriptive characteristics should not be a disqualifying factor. Right. Even though, right. even though many of these people kind of gaslight and say, Oh no, no, it wouldn't be disqualifying. We are, we are, in fact, doing other things. We're not disqualifying everybody. Right. We're, We're taking a qualified pool of people and we are pursuing institutional priorities. Oh, okay. Yeah. What are your institutional priorities? Sorry, we diversity. can't talk about that. Well, we diversity and inclusion. Or we, won't, or, we won't, or we won't tell you what the institutional Okay. Priorities. Also, let's be clear. Um, uh, this not only impacts Jewish people, Asians mm -hmm. Right, impacted. As I well. mean, that's the. It was Asians who have brought the case, right? Again, and that's in the Supreme Court now about affirmative action. Correct. Right. So, and then we, there's been a number of number of cases here in the D.C. area in suburban school districts with large concentrations of Asian American students, in which, particularly, I think it was in Fairfax County, Virginia, where the school district was either slow or did not forward like National Honor Society accommodations to, to colleges um, where students were applying. And right. the suspicion right. is, and so, and so the school district said, oh, no, it was a glitch. 
Sorry, uh-huh. but the suspicion was that they were purposefully not doing it because there was an overwhelming number of Asian students who were National Honor Society. And so right. it, it undermined the commitment to, to equity. Um, okay, so let's yeah. let's let's. Un- I know you hate using this. Term, unpack this. No, no, no. We're talking this. like we're let's talking un- in this yeah. stuff. Like, yeah, let's we're presenting, we're representing, bit. we're unpacking. So, so sure, if you, let's if do it. We want to bring this back uh, in history a little bit. Yeah. Uh, in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, right. there were uh, quotas on Jewish right. students. Right. Well, and, I mean, I think wasn't the Ivy League kind of. It's 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 admissions policies writ large well, were to keep yes. Jews out. Well, again, so Jews did really well in uh, in grades and standardized tests, but then they were over they were quote unquote overrepresented in certain universities. So me, what was me, done? Yeah. Before you finish that thought, yeah, I mean because there is a family connection here. Wasn't in part the founding of Brandeis University to a, a response <laughs> to restrictive admissions? Yes. Okay. <laughs> that is true. Okay. And when my late father-in-law went to college, mm-hmm. I think I told you this story. Mm-hmm. He couldn't believe his good fortune that his roommate was a fellow member of the tribe. <laughs> but then it you was know, only... For a brilliant dude, <laughs> well, it didn't occur to him? In all fairness, he was only 15 at the time. That's true. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but it did not occur to him until later that it was no accident that his roommate was Jewish and all of the people <laughs> in his little area uh, were Jewish as well. But yes, Brandeis was founded uh, in response to that. Right. But also the modern admissions process as we know it today was, right. was, to was keep a result undesirables of undesirables right? out. Why did so, they start? Why did they start asking for a photo? Right. 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 So, so this is the thing. This is the liberals' dilemma, right? Yeah. Here, you know, in the in the broadest way possible, we want society to be better. We want people who are yes qualified and deserving to gain admission to elite schools, and that those are those are good things. And that you know, when you think about the public school system in this country and how truly, truly disadvantaged uh, people of colors, you know, school districts are. It's, it's, it is a terrible, terrible discrimination. And so how do we make society? Well, that's, that's the question, right? And that's kind of like where I sort of put myself. Right. And then I look at my, you know, at your personal child and you say, has achieved so, you know, achieved so much worked so incredibly hard and then is going to bump up against what I think when admissions people talk about these things, they're, they're trying to use language that obfuscates what goes on, which is we actually are paying attention to people's ascriptive characteristics, something that you can't do. You, you can't do anything about what this is. Everybody's qualified. Of course, everybody's qualified, but we have these institutional priorities, et cetera. But every school, and you know, like you said, they won't necessarily tell you what they are. But every school has those priorities. Well, well, I'm saying this is this is the admissions process. So everywhere, everywhere. But you know, so um, so how do we balance these two things, right? I I don't know. Well, here's where I here's sort of where I land on this. I think we're both in agreement that um, giving 
people who have not had the advantages that our kids have mm -hmm. had, uh, giving them an opportunity is a good thing. Mm -hmm. Or I, I think yeah. we agree on that. Yeah, absolutely. I think we, we agree that diversity in general is a good thing. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I kind of, I kind of come down on the side of my kid's going to find a school to go to. Well, I think I, and what I say to Madeline is whatever school she goes to that she wants to go to is going to be the best school in the country. I think that, and I think that that's largely true, but I do think that the universities and colleges are being cynical in ways. There are well, ways there are ways to go about this without and I don't want to use the term reverse discrimination because I don't actually think that that's what's right, going on. I don't on. think it's discrimination. I don't, I don't so think what are those so what are those ways that are well, not so being I, I, I so I think there are things that they say, well we only have so many spaces. Well, you know, you can expand classes. They don't want to because they want to say we only right. admit three percent of our, of and they have a certain teacher faculty to student right. ratio. But you know how many you know how many itinerant PhDs are out yeah, there? Yeah, that's a good point. So who, why don't you know, they do survive that? on five thousand dollars a class? You know, string together five classes where they make between right. five and seven thousand dollars. There's so why don't lots they do that? of ways in which to expand the pie. So without, do you think the only reason that colleges don't uh, take more students and expand their student body is because they want to keep those uh, acceptance rates. No, I do down. think, I do think a lot of them goose, uh, yeah. goose, like, you know, Maddie has gotten tremendous. And, th and this school is particularly notorious for this. Maddie's gotten a lot of mail from university of Chicago. Oh, so and Mia, they really, actually. really encourage yeah, a tremendous. So and, and so we, I, I just mentioned it in passing and the college council said, Oh yes, of course. Lots of these schools do this they, because they want to they want to bump up the number of applications that they're so going to they reject, reject anyway yeah. so that they can reject you um, because there's a certain marketing aspect to saying we only accept 4% of our applicants kind of thing. Yeah. Um, by the course, way, by the way. Yeah. I mean, no disrespect to the military here. Yeah. But I loved it when Mia got something from West Point. I'm like, oh, you got the right one. <laughs> I think someone, either Maddie got something from West Point. I think she got something from West yeah. Point. And then I was on a text chat with some people from from college. And one of them was like, well, Maddie would do really well, you know. And I was like, no, she I mean, she okay. she's a rule follower. She does very, very well. She wants yeah. to go to medical school. It's a great way where you don't have sure, to pay for it. No I doubt, just, no I just can't imagine. Yeah, I couldn't see very, my very child. Hard. I couldn't see my child. Anyway. I'm sorry. I, I, I so, anyway, so, so it's been bothering me. And then, so, so the admissions thing, and then I read The Vanishing Jew, or The Disappearing yeah. Jew. And then it shows these steep declines in the number of Jewish students who are being admitted. Now, there's a number of possible explanations. For right. This. One, not as many Jewish students are applying to these schools. Two, uh, Jew, Jews have become like any other group in the country, like, you know, if you open my parents' uh, uh, yearbooks from the Bronx yeah. High School, you look at my mom, you look at my dad when he's alive, and you're like, okay, where is the non-Jewish people, right? right? Everybody, like, you know, yes. these were immigrants, first-generation Americans. Back in the day. Strivers, strivers, strivers. Yeah. Now we're well past that, and it's okay to be a stupid Jew. I feel right? like that's... That's another, that, that's that's another pretty, possible I think both of those things are probably true and connected to each other, and then, by the way. And then there is the suspicion that was raised in this article is that admissions offices, 
you know, kind of fused with the, the, the whole idea of DEI is that Jews are overrepresented, represented. In, overrepresented yeah. in classes and therefore, you know, I don't know. We have to I... not admit as many. See that? Now, part, there, that's it, I haven't looked at a college application. Does it ask you what your religion is? No, but they're look. They're probably going by names, like identifiably Jewish names, which well, is not. Which is not, not my problem, actually. Well, no, it's not, and it's not iron. It's not an iron right. law. Um, yeah, I went to. I went to. A, I went to a guy ahead of me in high school. Last name was Spielberger. Mm-hmm. Think he was Jewish? I would guess so. Not. Well, I mean, obviously you set that up. Right. right. But, set um, up, but So that's, but here's, that's here's terrible other, in and of itself. Here's the other thing. Yeah. They never, all this time when we're talking about admissions. Right. There's one thing that never gets touched. Which is? Legacy. Legacy admissions. You know, I'd say, I'd say it's, I'm, I'm not I know you you like to make a big deal out of it because I think that it's a real thing. I think it's a more real thing than affirmative action. So the people I know, I think it is an affirmative action program. I well, sure, but wait a second. I think that I know a slew of people whose children have applied to Vassar who went right. to Vassar. Yeah, and I'd say the admissions rate is probably fifty percent. Okay, I would like to see um, the data on. What the families most of give. the elite, what the families schools, are giving, like I I know now I know these families and they're not that they, I it, there's some that may be big givers but there are others who I know are definitely not big givers. So I I would like to see the correlation between okay. the kids. But I would say rejected. I would say I would say of the people I know whose children yeah. who went, I would say there are a good number who are not going to be the kind of multi bazillion million dollar givers. Yeah, and then the, some who maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Um, Look, and I'm talking. Say, I'm talking as somebody who my child went to the same college that his mother and grandfather went right, to. So right. there was right, certainly right. that was his grades and his scores and everything else were fine too. But yeah, no, right. I'm not going to pretend that that's not on the application. I may be wrong. But yeah. I think that Harvard and Yale and Princeton and those schools have refused to re- to reveal any statistics on legacy. I mean, look, I think I think what they ha- I think what people know about it is anecdotal. I don't think the schools have actually agree released, with you. I released agree. data on legacy admissions. I think it is anecdotal, but anyway, I, I think. But the, so so the, so it's it's very. Like I said, I agree with you. In the, I agree with you in our disagreement. Right. There are lots of really, really good schools out there. And I know that whatever school that Maddie goes to, that she wants to go to, she will thrive. And actually, there have been, there's actual data that shows that generally speaking, you have kids who go to less elite schools and kids who go to elite schools and yeah. the outcomes tend to be basically the same. Yeah. Um. And in Maddie's case, she wants to go to medical school. So at, at least right now, she wants to go to medical school. So does it matter whether so, she's a bio major at one place versus the other? I'm no, not really sure. No, um, but still, I don't think so. it rubs me the wrong way is the kind of core principles when I think about it. And maybe maybe these things need to be reframed. And, and, and maybe, but about, you know, judging people by their character, not by... 
their ascriptive characteristics and, and what they've been able to achieve um, regardless uh, yes. of those things. And, yes, and then but... it's an ideal, of course. And as we go back to, you know, the, 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 the decrepit state of our schools in, in, you know, places where people of color live. I get all that. Not, I get not all only that. people of color, any poor people. Right. 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 Appalachia. But, but so that's the point that I think people make is that where's the, where, where's the, institutional priority that it focuses on the kid from coal mining town in Kentucky. I'm not sure that that exists. I think it does actually. And does it? I remember going to, because I've sat through some, some admissions programs yeah. recently and yeah. it doesn't sound like it well, no, based on what I can decode of all the coded language. Well, I do remember going to some of these admissions programs yeah. um, and then, and having them talk about which States, their kids come from the kids uh -huh. come from, and right. that if you're applying from like Wyoming, right, you do have a better chance of getting in right, because right. they don't yeah, yeah. have a lot Some of geographic diversity, right? So the Wyoming. question I always have is, well, so then should should my kids apply to like the University of Wyoming? I mean, they would probably get in. University there aren't a lot of Montana. people from from suburban Washington D.C. who go there. I mean, right. Or conversely, what you should have considered. But like, for example, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. What you should have considered. Yeah. Is when your kids were younger, moving out there, so right. that when they apply to go to college, they right, right, right. Well, so, so, but then it doesn't really work because I was saying, well, you know, they're really good schools in California, UCLA, Berkeley, sure. uh, UC San Diego, and so on and so forth. And college kind of like, oh, it's like virtually impossible for out-of-state kids to get in there. I was like, really? Well, there's so many kids in California. Exactly. That's what yeah. that's what she said. That's yeah. what she said. There's tons of kids in California, so it makes it very, very hard for out out-of-state kids to get it. Yes. So, so you can't play that geographic diversity game. Not if everyone. You want to do one coast to the next. But sure, right. I'm sure Maddie's very admissible at the University of Montana at Bozeman, which would be cool for me because it'd be a lot of good skiing. There you go. But but I think you know, one thing I don't necessarily think that we would disagree with each other on this. Um, I remember going out a couple of years ago with some friends and mm -hmm. they're all, I would say more than upper, upper middle class, uh -huh. highly educated, right. Jewish and listening to them talk about how hard it is to get into college. And one of the families lives in a very wealthy town mm -hmm. on Long Island. Um, and not they were called Plainview. Not Plainview. Because it's definitely not a real no, no, wealthy. No, no, no. But I mean like wealthy, wealthy. Yeah, yeah, like and on the like North Shore what, wealthy? And, yeah. Uh -huh. Okay. And somebody said something about like, I thought this was a meritocracy here. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, I, you yeah. personally are uh, a consultant, an educate like you help kids get in, right. prepare their well, applications for college. Now, not everybody can afford somebody to help them write their essay. I notice I haven't, they, used, I haven't yeah. used the term meritocracy in this entire okay, conversation, but, but saying, I do think that meritocracy is one of those myths that is a positive myth that we can strive toward. Now, <laughs> the fact of the matter is, is that through the kind of, you know, whether we, whether it's true or not, but the things that are perceived, like legacy admissions, yeah. um, having the college counselor, you know, help create applications, test prep and those things that yeah. aren't always available to people. We we are not actually striving towards it, but it is a nice it is a no, nice but that, idea. But but it's those I, I'm sorry to generalize. 
It feels to me, anecdotally, Stephen, Mm. that it's those people who are the ones who have been prepping their kids for their college admissions process for years, who are the ones who are generally uh, complaining the most about how hard it is to get their Mm. kids into school. Right. I don't know unfair And how unfair the process is. Well, I think... think and, and I, you could probably put me from time to time in that category because I want, because at a kind of primordial level, I mean, I'm sure you understand this. I want my kid who's worked really hard to go to those places that she really wants to go. I, and I if hear you. And I want that for my children too. That, that, you know, yeah, she's qualified, but she's not qualified. I mean, as I decode, it's some not of this that language. she's not qualified. It's just that she's not an institution, which is saying you're not qualified based on ascriptive characteristics, not not so, That that's what I have decoded. I just and I, I mean, wonder. I know how I'm processing it, and it's to me it it strikes me as deeply at, at a personal level because I'm you know fiercely fiercely. Um, I want to advocate for my kid. I yeah. want what's best for her. Um, to me, it feels quite unfair. Just at, a, at an emotional right. uh, okay. level, at a, per- but- at a personal level, because that's this. these two beings yeah. are the most important things yeah, in the world. Yeah, I, I get that. I get that. And, 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 and in However, our society, we've built up these elite schools as being the most important, et cetera. I I get it, but I still, I feel like, and this is probably where we do disagree, which is that I feel that the needs, the greater good sometimes Uh has to come at a cost and somebody needs to be. You're like a Yimby. Yes. In my backyard. Let's put a, let's put a chemical plant in my backyard. I'm not saying a a chemical plant. (laughs) I I am saying, however, a hotel, to take a, a hotel for homeless people can go into my neighborhood, which I did say right. during the pandemic. And plenty of people in my neighborhood were saying, hell no. Uh, because at some point we have to recognize <laughs> that we're, we live in a shared society. But I think, I think one of the problems with this debate in general is that people don't recognize the kind of complexity, complication, and, emo- and emotions that are all wrapped up in it. And so that if you, you know, raise, I think, and I, and I don't think it's just an emotional response. I think there are good questions about what can universities and colleges do to not say, these are institutional priorities, these aren't what they are, and seemingly, I'm not accusing it because it's all anecdotal, seemingly discriminating against people who don't meet their current, uh, their current so I think it's very, very, I think it's much more complicated than the kind of commentary about this or the knee-jerk reaction to any kind of raising a question about, about these issues. I do know that two of my, two of my housemates, I mean, of course, this is going back 30 years, two of my housemates, um, my junior and senior African-American guys, weren't that down on the whole idea of affirmative action. Um, they felt that. It, it it made it raised questions about their qual- their qualifications. I understand that, right? I do. So, I do. You know. So uh, I, and and nobody should feel like they're only somewhere right. because they're meeting, you know, a quota. Although, right. 
Athletes don't seem to feel that way when they get into schools solely to play sports for right. that school. I'd ask people who are like Georgetown grads. I'm like, so like, what's it when Georgetown was big, you know, when, yeah. when they didn't suck? Like, what's yeah. that like? And they're like, oh, for some reason, those athletes always get those certain rooms, those certain yeah. dorm rooms in a certain place. You know, right. Yeah. Nobody, look, at Swarthmore, their kids were there because they're playing sports. It's well, Swarthmore. See, that, uh, to me, that – I and mean, that's at every it, school. Right. I, well, I, look, I think college sports is c- totally corrupt. Not at Swarthmore. I think, I, think, I, think, I think we agree on that. We can right, agree right. on that. Not at Swarthmore, but in so general, I, yes. Again, I mean, it's, it's, it is the, I think the problem with having this conversation and having this conversation in an open way is that people are quick to call it. People who raise questions about it, undoubtedly those questions are infused by and at least in my case, my emotions and my desire to see my child, yeah. my children look, but again, be in the like, best but, possible place. To but but in some way, you're saying like that I don't want the best for my kids because I right right right. That's what I'm like, and and of course, just because it's a place called Harvard or Princeton doesn't necessarily mean that that's the place that you're gonna no. your child's gonna you're gonna achieve. thrive right. right exactly. And that's what I've tried to get across to them. Yeah, which well. is that where you're going to go. And you know what? To be completely honest with you, it could be more me than them, right? More my own competitive juices flowing. But again, I think there's a problem. I think there's a problem. Well, I don't think anybody... I like like the idea of like adding seats for students. Build a dorm. Add add, add Have a Harvard B. Like, why can't... Well, no, you know what I'm saying. Like another, like make the school bigger. Oh, why phase can't we two, do that? like, like, yeah, yeah. Indi- like Indian Spring and Indian Spring Phase Two and Indian yeah, Spring exactly. Phase Three and Boca, right? Del yeah, Boca yeah. Vista, yeah, phase Del Boca Two, right? Exactly. Right, Harvard Phase Two, Yale Del Phase Vista Three. Del Boca, by the way, was based on this place called Indian Spring, where Jerry Seinfeld's mother actually lived, and where nice. Lauren's grandfather and grandmother lived too. Nice. Anyway, um, all right, the Indian we'll, Spring we'll, thing was hilarious though. This you turn on the TV to the Indian Spring Channel. And it'd be like information and it's called smoke signals. Oh my God. It was so bad. That's so, (laughs) it was so bad. So toned up. Um, I think we're, we're we're really, we're running out of time. I have to go to to Eastover. Eastover? An Easter Passover dinner. Nice. Also known as Passover. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So, a yeah, very, very happy Passover and Easter to all. Yes. And, and, and a continuing Easter. blessed Ramadan. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I went to an iftar dinner. I told you about that. <sighs> yeah. But Stuff your face. Like, it's like, no, it it's like pizza. a... It was it? Yeah, it was at my it. synagogue. Uh, I, didn't, I did tell you because we'll talk about this often. The one thing I, I love about iftar, it's like eat with reckless abandon because basically yeah, if you're it's, not, yeah, it's like religious. Like, oh, I, I am obligated Yeah, but you weren't fasting. But you weren't fasting. Do you know when I was in Cairo in 2019, pre, pre-COVID, I was here during Ramadan, I didn't need to eat because I was going to these iftars. And like the whole next day, I was like, burp, I ate yeah. so much last night, I can't eat. Yeah, I'll tell you about it offline. I don't want to right. offend anybody. <laughs> All right, right, happy Easter, happy Passover. Uh, Blessed Ramadan. See you. Blessed Ramadan. All right, we're out.